Hi, this is Paul Hansen. You're listening to Boston Radio, the 16th edition, and this is the second segment. And we're back with world-renowned author, instructor, and the guitarist for the Americana band, The Blasters. His name is Keith Wyatt. Where we left off in the last segment, we were talking to Keith about his gear and specifically his boss pedals. So let's pick up where we left off. <laughs> I can't afford it, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So you also have a Boss TR2 tremolo? Yeah, that's sort of hovering in the background of, of some of our tunes. I, mm-hmm. I use it on maybe 20% of the tunes in various places. Yeah, it really kind of uh, adds that surf vibe. Yeah, yeah, and if you get it set to the right tempo where the tremolo is, is sort of attached in rhythm, to the yeah. beat, then it, it comes across pretty cool. I remember, you know, the classic... James Bond theme, the da-da-da-da, da-da-da. That usually has a slight tremolo, whoever is the guitarist for that. But it's very slight. And you can dial in not only the amount of tremolo, but the kind of wave shape on the TR2. Yeah, it's how how pronounced you want it to be. I usually want to have a little bit back Mm -hmm. in the mix uh, relatively so it doesn't overwhelm the note, but you just kind of hear it as this sort of subliminal effect. You also use a Boss DD digital delay pedal. Do you use that for slap? Yeah, actually, I am so so rudimentary in my setup. I mean, my pedal board is the tuner, and then I use different kinds of distortion depending on the amp that I'm playing through, mm-hmm. and then the tremolo and the delay. And the delay I set for uh, like a hundred millisecond slap, yep. and it's just just trying to sort of recreate the old uh, slap back of the fifties. You know. Well, I've got. Two excerpts here from the song, Blaster's song called Rebound. Oh, okay. And uh, I kind of pasted the middle solo to the end solo. I hope it okay. works out okay. So let's check this out. That's a cool one. Yeah, that's a Charlie Rich tune, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, um, Rob Marcello, my friend who uh, works for Boss, I talked to him this morning and he said, oh, you're going to talk to Keith. I asked him, are there any questions I I should ask you? And he suggested to ask why Keith Wyatt always suggests play in B flat. (laughs) I I don't know if you always suggest that, but that's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I actually know why. It's what's wrong with be- A, in other words? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with A, G, yeah. E, you know? But I, well, I, you know, ask Chuck Berry, because uh, right. good luck finding a Chuck Berry tune in E or A, you know? He right. never played in those keys, and, and the reason is that grew up in the era where it was mm-hmm. all dominated by saxophones. Yep. You know, so you play in B-flat <laughs> and E-flat and F and so on, because they're flat keys, and saxophones like flat keys. And that's sort of the legacy of that style of music that tradition is is flat keys are yeah. just what you do you know but since Jimi hendrix and eric clapton and jimmy page i think the sharp keys it, you know. it's gone it's gone the other way that's yeah. true, that's true. <laughs> just one more question about your gear and pedals you have an rv5 
digital reverb pedal, a yeah. Boss RV5. Do you use the spring setting or the plate setting or the spring? And and the you know there again, I'm uh, when I play in town, I have a old Fender reverb unit, but uh, I don't carry that on the road. So the pedal is just a compact way. The and, RV5. Uh, when we travel, sometimes well, often we use rented gear, uh-huh. and so you get the busted twin with no reverb on it so it's just a survival mechanism hey keith um you have a current gig at musicians institute in hollywood mi and that's where you are right now you're in your office yep and uh i read your current title is mi's vice president of programs is that true what exactly does that mean that's an excellent question (laughs) over the years you know well i was a student at git back in 77 and the school had barely just opened. And then um, as I was going to school, uh, Howard Roberts was very involved at that point. And it became apparent that he was just writing curriculum like a week or two ahead of each class. I mean, he was just barely staying ahead. Howard Roberts is one of the greats. And we heard him on TV shows and all kinds of movies and Yeah, he played on hundreds of soundtracks. He and Tommy Tedesco. Do you know who did the guitar stuff for the Gilgan's Island show? Gosh, you know, I bet Howard and Tommy would probably argue about who did that. You know, they would argue about who did the... Well, Tommy did the uh, Bonanza theme. There was Twilight Zone. You know, all those guitar parts that people still kind of hear, you know. But, you know, Howard... As the studio business was sort of winding down, he was very interested in education. He started doing seminars mm-hmm. and so developed an educational philosophy and an approach that became GIT. Mm-hmm. So as he as GIT was starting, it was like, we got to turn this into a year program with curriculum to back right. it up. So he's generating mountains of curriculum and just needed slave labor. So me and a couple other guys. And you guys created the original curriculum. Well, we worked under Howard's direction. Uh-huh. He would tell us what to do, of course. And, and as the years went by, he was less involved in the school. And so it was more on the people who were actually there, me and the mm-hmm. other guys, and to, to develop a new curriculum. Yep. So I was the head of GIT until oh, the mid-90s, I guess. Then I became the director of programs. All that means is that I oversee the development of curriculum uh-huh. and things for all of the programs instead of just guitar. Keith, you have tons of videos and books and instructional material. How does someone figure out which one they should get? Well, the titles are pretty self-explanatory. I mean, you know, acoustic blues or whatever, uh-huh. and, you know, level one, level two. You can kind of get a picture of what it's aimed at just by the, the title or the box description. One that, for whatever reason, people seem to have mentioned to me is one called uh, Getting the Sound. Uh-huh. And that was a, a video I did with, with Roger Hutchinson, REH, and, and with Don Mock, our old pal Don. From Seattle. Mm-hmm. And it, the idea was sort of a survey of classic blues guitar styles and players and using the same equipment and saying, well, how did, you know, what did B.B. King play through? What guitar did he play and what amp? Uh-huh. So people have mentioned that to me uh, as years go by. They say they checked that video out and dug it. So how do you feel doing all these instructional books and videos and teaching has helped you as a player? Well, Howard said, uh, you know, the best possible position for a musician is to be taking lessons, giving lessons, and performing or, you know, working, playing your instrument. Because they they all kind of circle around each other. Uh, You're learning, you're you're dispensing knowledge, and, and you're using your knowledge. And I got to say, uh, being a teacher has been a godsend because every week there you are in front of a bunch of, of aspiring players and some of them are pretty darn good. You know, I know. They, 
they'll kick your ass. And, and so you got to <laughs> stay on your game. Yeah. And as you explain things to people, it makes it that much clearer in your own mind. So after the end of a of a class or a lesson, it's like, well, who learned more? Probably me, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing I miss. Of course, I used to teach too, and um, yeah, all those guys would keep me on my toes. Hey, Keith, do you recommend for your students to practice with uh, drum machines? Well, I think what's important if you just talk about you know blues, for <laughs> example, right. Um, What's really important is that you, you have to learn the form, and 12-bar is, is just the standard form, you know, the one that you're going to play over most of the time. So having some kind of a background as you play uh, the tempo, the changes, the form, uh, you'll learn to structure your phrases so they make musical sense. If you practice without any kind of backup, then the phrases are just kind of floating around out there, and they mm-hmm. don't have—they're not tied to anything. And a drum machine's a good backup to practice too. The downside is that it's very regular and predictable, and so right. you start to feel that track, and then you go on stage, and the drummer plays it different, and it throws you <laughs> off. So you need to have a combination of that kind of structured backing right. thing, and then you need to need to play with people. And ultimately, I tell students that you gotta become independent of the band and of the backing tracks and carry that rhythm section around in your head. So when you pick up the guitar, you count it off and you play, and you're playing just as effectively and and as... You can hear the four chord even if it's not there. Yeah, you play as accurately Uh and consistently as if the band was backing you up playing by yourself. I should mention here that Boss makes a whole line of DR, Dr. Rhythm, drum machines, including the the top-of-the-line one, the DR-880 which has guitar effects, and then it's got bass, and there's 500 pre-programmed things you can jam to. So I th- You were showing me some of that at the Boss uh, thing recently. In yeah, we had some really cool things. Did you get a chance to see the RE20? It's the new Space Echo. It's a twin pedal, but it's actually a remake of the original Roland Space Echo. Yeah, you showed me that. Yeah, and that's really cool. The sound is just like tape, only you don't have the hassle of... Of tape. Yeah, you don't have to deal with the mechanical problems. Right. So, uh, do you recommend using a metronome? Well, certainly, uh, mechanical metronome, maybe you can have problems with as it winds down, but uh-huh. an electronic metronome does not lie. You know, if you set it to 100, it's 100. <laughs> and if you always feel like, well, what's wrong with this thing? It's slowing down. You know, <laughs> That's the reality check, you know, yeah. is that, uh, no, it probably isn't. You know, you learn to feel the time. I remember testing a guy back in the old days that GIT and this guy just he was convinced that my metronome was speeding up (laughs) (laughs) yeah I should add people can check out the boss electronic metronomes at bossus.com do you recommend jamming practicing scales chords songs or or have a list of things to practice well, yeah, how you organize your practice time, that's always the, you know, that's mm-hmm. the number one question because you have to prioritize. Right. And I remember at GIT having a page, you know, it's broken down into columns and rows and it's mm-hmm. like a spreadsheet, you know, yeah. and you got all the things that you need to do and there's a million of them, you know, scales and arpeggios and chords and, and uh, you name it, reading, <laughs> ear training, you know. <laughs> And uh, how many minutes a day, and, and yeah. in what order, and so forth. And it's an evolving thing. Um, mm-hmm. 
I did that. So you need a teacher, a private teacher, who can sit with you and really hear you and, and help you make those decisions. It's hard to do that for yourself. Do you see in the future people having lessons on the Internet? Oh, I think without doubt the technology is already there. So, you know, if you and I were looking at each other on the computer, which we could do, you know, yeah. we could easily each right now have a camera and, and be looking at each other while we're uh, uh-huh. talking, and then you pull out your guitar and I pull out mine, as long as there's no uh, lag in the uh, transmission, right. we can jam, you know, and so I can hear you play, and there you are. I can't reach <laughs> out and move your finger, right? but I can I can see what you're doing and tell you, you know, move your finger or fret this way or that, so uh, I, w- I would say there's no reason why that shouldn't happen. It's probably safer for the student because you can't slap them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Maybe you can figure out a way to give them an electronic shot yeah. or something. You know. First finger, fifth fret. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. For soloing, do you suggest call and response, practicing that, and maybe practicing repetition? Actually, do you consciously think about those subjects? Oh, I definitely do. You know, it's a hard thing to practice. It's one of those things that to practice it, you have to know what it is. Right. And so if you know what it is, then you don't need to practice it so much because you already (laughs) kind of figured it out. So, you know, what I try to do is is expose students to the great musicians Uh and say, you know, check this out. Now, here's Uh the concept of call and response, and here's how this guy is applying it in practice. And then we'll do a little exercise where I'll play back and forth with them, and I'll say, I'll play a lick, now you, you play it back at me. Or you play something else, but play it in the hole that I leave for you, you know, so that we have this little conversation. But um, to say, you know, go away and practice call and response, that's a, that's a difficult thing to do. So, Keith, I have another uh, tune. This is called Daddy Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is from the Blasters. Let's ch- check out you playing on this one. Absolutely. They call me Daddy. I'm the Daddy. I'm Daddy Rolling Stone. Man, there's a lot of call and response and cool repetition-type phrasing. and Yeah, that's and all based on just coming up with it. It's it's more like arranged ideas, mm-hmm. you know, and then, yeah, repeat them and sort of build it up a little bit that way. When we do it live, mm-hmm. we jump off from that and just keep going, you know, so then I start to, like, play solos and bend notes. And- it's all about the vibe, you know. Maybe that's something about a mature player and artist is that you're going for the overall sound and the effect and yeah i I just really dig that man oh great very cool so let's see 
Do you record a lot at home? Do you use any home studio? Yeah, I got it set up on a Mac computer at home, so I uh-huh. plug in and, and I have some pre-recorded drum parts and stuff, so I chop them up and then I, I play the bass. And But it can sound pretty good, actually, uh, for the for my purposes. Like when I do the columns for Guitar World, they have a, a disc that goes out with the magazine that has all the uh, examples on it. it. It seems so counterproductive that Blues is all about the details and the things that you can't really notate. And when you try to notate them, the music is so hard to read. It's impossible. Oh, yeah. So, you you know, it's like, well, here's an example <laughs> of so-and-so and how to bend and check out the yeah. subtle phrasing. It's like, forget it. Yeah. You're in it. Like, the world's best sight reader, you can't possibly... And how do you notate page. if you choke up the third, like in the key of A on the G string on the fifth fret, if you just kind of bend that up just a little bit? That but, quarter tone, yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, you can draw the little arrow with one quarter <laughs> over it, but come on, you yeah. know. So now that they have the uh, deal where they send the disc out with the magazine, you can at least hear it. That's great. So I assume that anybody that's interested in it, they'll look at the notation and say, yeah, right. Then they'll pop the disc in and say, oh, okay, okay, that's what really counts. Keith, have you ever seen any of these Boss BR recorders? We have ones that you can put in your pocket. They have drum machine and built-in effects. You know, they can re- record on multiple tracks. Yeah, that is, that's such a cool innovation. I mean, I'm using this, this big... You know, it's like the computer and the monitor yeah. and everything, and it's it's way overkill for what I'm doing. I mean, it's great if you're making a record. Yeah. But having something where you just plug in and it's all right there and you can hold it in your hand, man, that's tremendous. Yeah. For for me, I like the BR-600 because that one kind of sits on the tabletop and it doesn't fit in my pocket, but it almost does. They run on batteries. and. Yeah, that is so cool. In a hotel room, you know. No kidding. So, Keith, you directed some of those classic REH guitar instructional videos. Did you direct the Ingve Malmsteen one? Well, I, w- I participated in that. I think Don Mock actually was the director. So I, I was there uh, for part of the, the shoot. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I think he, you know, he's a combination of a natural. You yep. know, he has the feel. Uh-huh. And then he's also very focused, and he worked really hard and developed his skills and, and learned the, the Paganini and whatnot. Uh-huh. Almost done here, Keith. I just wanted to tell you, Back in 1980, as you recall, I was one of your students, and one of the things that you taught me that I really appreciated was how to build chords, say, for example, a C minor 13. Let's see if I can still do it. C minor 13 would be C, E flat, then G, the 5, then I guess you got B flat, and then officially include the 9, but probably not on the guitar, right? Depends on the voice. <laughs> I mean, actually, I, I'm thinking, I'm visualizing as we speak. Uh-huh. Yeah, and me too. A minor 13, and I can, I can see, uh, or, or I guess maybe more correctly, it's a minor 6-9. Wow, yeah. those James Bond chords, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of a little weird sound to it. It's the root, the minor third, the sixth, mm-hmm. and the ninth, but you don't have the seventh. Right. If you include the seventh, then you would call <laughs> it a 13th officially. But no seventh. But if you leave out the seventh, then it's just got the 6-9, you, you call it a 6-9 chord. See, there you go. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for teaching me that stuff. I well, appreciate hey, it. You're well, the greatest, you Keith. got so much use out of that minor 13. <laughs> Any last words about Boss? Well, you know, Boss has been around forever. You know when boss started making pedals it just seems like they've been there ever since i started playing or something i mean a long time (laughs) 30 years it's always been i need a little sound i always just think well i'll get a boss pedal you know it's almost like kleenex you know it's just a generic (laughs) term because they've made so many great pedals 
economical and small and on the road they take a beating you know it's done a marvelous job of keeping guitar players in different sounds and making it accessible to people well keep it going keith and uh thanks for coming on the show well hey it's it's my pleasure and it was great to see you again uh, a couple of weeks ago after so long yeah look forward to seeing you at the next nam show i assume yeah i'll be there probably can't miss it That's Keith Wyatt playing guitar there. Uh, This is the Blasters rendition of Boneyard, the theme song from the Dick Tracy Show. I'd also like to thank you for listening to Boss Tone Radio and using Boss Gear, which you can find out more about at BossUS.com. And you can reach me at AskBoss at BossUS.com. Until the next show... I'll see you later.